Hey, my name is James. I'm the pastor of The Rising, and I am so excited that you've tuned in. This is our podcast. Welcome. I hope uh, this message that you hear is going to inspire you, encourage you, and motivate you to grow closer to God. I hope you lean forward with an expectant attitude, and remember, you're changed not by the word that you hear, but by the word that you do. So get ready to put into practice this word. Come on, let's listen. Well, I'm excited. Uh to be in this brand new season that we're in, not just the fall season, but this season of meeting together as a church on a weekly basis. Our, our plan is to meet on a, on a weekly basis uh, for the rest of this month and then next month. And then, uh, can, I, can I move this microphone? Oh, thank you, sir. So our plan is to meet every single week for the rest of this month and then next month uh, up until November 1st. And it's a, it's a new season, the fall season. Uh, and because of that, we're starting a brand new series called Survival or Revival, Your Call. You know, I've been thinking about how um, I've been feeling during this, this season of, of COVID. I don't know if you heard, but we're in a global pandemic. And um, back in March, everything shut down. I mean, it just, it, it caught me by surprise. I mean, sports shut down, restaurants shut down, uh, schools shut down. I won't say churches shut down because we didn't meet on Sunday mornings, but it didn't mean we shut down. We continued to do the work of the church. Come on, somebody. So, but everything shut down, and I started thinking through, like, like just how I was feeling. I, I felt like, um, I felt so disoriented because my routine was thrown off. My schedule was thrown off. I mean, everything was thrown off. I, I felt like every day was Groundhog Day. Is that anybody else? I just felt like I was trying to get by, like I was trying to survive during this time. And then I remembered my faith, which is the foundation of my life. You know, I hope, uh, I hope your faith is the foundation for your life. People's faith isn't always the foundation for their life. For some people, faith is just a theory. For, for some people, faith is just a side hustle for them. For some people, their faith is just uh, something that's a part of their life. But I started to think about how my faith was the foundation of my life. And I remembered that I served a God who didn't call me to just survive, but he called me to thrive. Right? Right? So I, I started thinking through, why am I just barely making it in this season? Why am I just getting by? Why am I just surviving? Because the God I serve has called me to something greater, and he has a greater plan for my life, and not just my life, but your life. And then I started to remember all the times in the scriptures where people simply settled for less than God's best. They, they, they got stuck in the status quo. They were just surviving. And because they were surviving, they sat outside of the revival of God, and they didn't experience all that God had for them. And I just determined I didn't want that in my life. And so since I was surviving, I figured it was time for me to experience revival in my life. And I started thinking, you know, if I'm feeling like I'm just surviving, then perhaps so many other people feel like they're surviving as well. Does anybody else right now in this time, in this pandemic, in this season, in this moment of your life, do you feel like you're just surviving, just getting by? And so I started thinking, I want to I wanna present a challenge to people and a challenge to myself that, that we can live in survival or we can live in revival. It's really up to us. It's your call. So I started wondering, what if during this season of COVID, we didn't just survive, but we got fed up with surviving and we determined to live out revival in our life? What if during this season, not just the fall season, not just the COVID season, but the season of realized injustice, this season of worry, this season of anxiety, this season of just trying to get by, we said, that's it. I'm done surviving. I'm going to live in the revival God has called me to. 
I, I also started thinking that, you know, today is this, this monumental mile marker in the history of our church. We're celebrating six years. And I, I thought, what if we just got fed up and we said, for the next six years, we're going to see revival break forth in and through this church. We've made it this far, but I don't believe God has brought us this far to leave us. I believe he's brought us this far to break into the new thing. So what if during this season we choose revival? And so like I said, we're starting this series called Survival or Revival. It's your call. It's your call. What I want to do each and every week is I want to present to you the choice that God presented to the people of Israel and that God presents to you and me today. Here, here's the choice that he gave them and here's the choice that he gives us. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. It says, This day... I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. See, God essentially told the people of Israel, and God tells you and I, I've given you two choices. You got life or you got death. It's up to you to choose which one you'll live and experience. In this series, I'm framing it this way. We can either survive or we can experience revival, but it's up to you. It's your call. And here's the thing. I can't make that choice for you, right? I, I, I cannot be the one to make that choice for you to live in revival. You have a choice as to what you'll experience in your life. Either you'll survive, just barely make it, get by, or you'll experience revival, <clears throat> live in the breakthrough that God has called you to. It's up to you. And here's what I'm going to do each and every week. I'm going to present you with some challenges, with some inspiration, with some encouragement. But every single week, I'm going to give you some steps to take. And whether or not you take those steps will determine if you'll experience survival or revival. It's all up to you. And here's the thing. You can't blame me if you don't experience revival in your life. You can't blame your mom. You can't blame your spouse. You can't blame COVID. You can't blame, blame your job. You can't blame your circumstance and your situation because revival is all around us, bursting at the seams. It's yours for the taking. You just got to choose it. It's up to you. But today I just want to preach this introductory sermon to prepare us for where we're headed because revival requires work. I don't know if you know that. You can't haphazardly follow and chase after a revival you got to put some work into it. And so just so we're on the same page, when I talk about revival, here's, here's what I mean. Revival is when you experience an improvement in something. When something shifts, it gets better, it increases, it levels up. One iteration of a revival is when something becomes important again. And so I know you believe in Jesus, but is he important to you? Is he the one leading your life? Is he, is he the one who, who's the center of your life? When something becomes important to you, again, when something is dusted off and is made new again. And so what I want to do in this series is I want to ask the question, what if we came to Jesus maybe for the first time or we come back to Jesus and we just said, okay, I'm actually going to follow you this time. What if we actually lived what we believed? I believe we'd experience revival in our life. So, this is what happens when uh, revivals took place in the past. There, there are all these great revivals that took place in history. See, the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century took place because reformers like Martin Luther and John Calvin saw the stagnation of the church. They saw the abuses of the church, and they said this structure doesn't line up with Scripture. And so they broke forth and led a revival for people. 
The, the same thing happened in the Great Awakening in the early 1700s. See, people were Christians, but their Christianity didn't determine how they lived. It didn't shape their life. And so then people like Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley started asking, what if we didn't just call ourselves Christians, but we actually lived out our Christianity? We actually did what we said we believed. And then a revival took place across this nation. The same is true for the Second Great Awakening. See, when, when the, the shock and awe of the First Great Awakening wore off, we needed a Second Great Awakening. And people like Charles Finney came in and said, okay, that was great back then, but our best days are still ahead. And so, come on, we got to live this faith in an even greater way. See, every time revival takes place in history... It happens in moments of stagnation. It happens when people are simply surviving, just trying to get by. And they say, well, hold on now. God called us to something greater. What if we lived in that? And so that's what I want to call us to through this season. What if during this season we didn't just survive, but we thrived? We got better. We grew. What if during this season as a church we didn't just try and maintain, but we grew, and we started reaching people like never before? That's the question I'm asking. Because I believe that revival is breaking forth all around us, and whether or not we live in it is up to us. So let me tell you, here, here's how revival happens. Revival happens when people move from the ordinary and the natural, tapping into the extraordinary and supernatural, which is all around us and available to us at all times. Revival happens when our perspective shifts, our energy lifts, our expectation is heightened, our sense of mission is palpable, and our work ethic is raised. See, revival requires passion. Revival requires vision. Revival requires work. And revival is difficult, which is why many people simply survive because they're not willing to do the work required to experience a breakthrough in their life. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to put in the work to experience revival in your own life? Are you willing to do what it takes to see your marriage excel like never before? Are you willing to do what it takes, put in the work to look at who you are and do the work required to make you a better, healthier, less stressed out, freaked out, anxious, worried you? Are you willing to do the work? If not, you can hear this sermon and say, that was great. But nothing will change in your life. This is why people can come to church on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis, and hear a series about how to be a better man, how to have a better marriage, how to excel in your job, how to just be a better you. And nothing changes ever in their life because they hear the words but don't do the words they hear. And so revival is up to you. I just want to give it to you and ask you to choose it. So I want to I learn real, real quick for the remaining moments we have. I want to learn from a revival that took place just under 3,000 years ago and see what they did and see what we can do in our life now to experience a breakthrough. See, uh, a little under 3,000 years ago, there was this guy named Joram, and uh, Joram was the king of Israel. And uh, this other king named Mesha was the king of Moab. Mesha owed some taxes to Joram, but Mesha said, I'm not paying you. So Joram said, well, I'm fighting you then. But before he goes and picks a fight with Mesha, the king of Moab, he gets uh, another king, Jehoshaphat, from Judah and the king of Edom together. And he says, I'm about to go pick a fight with Mesha, king of Moab. Will y'all be my boys and join me? And those kings say, yeah, we're in it to win it. And they join Joram for the fight. And what happens is these three kings march through the desert of Edom 
And as they're marching through the desert of Edom, things go wrong or it's a long march or they weren't adequately prepared, but they've been marching for seven days and they run out of water. And the, and the troops of, of these armies are, are dying of thirst. They're, they're at their wits end. They're, they're like, we, we can't make it. Something's got to shift. They're just barely making it in the desert. Does that sound like some of you right now? You're just barely making it in homeschooling. You're just barely making it in your job. You're just barely making it working from home, trying to navigate what that looks like. You're just barely making it worried about the future. They're in the desert. They're dying of thirst. They're just barely surviving. And they say something's got to change. And here's what Joram, king of Israel, said. He said, what? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? King Joram of Israel says, well, hold on now. Did God bring us out here in this desert so that we could be delivered to the king of Moab? Did God bring us in this desert so we could just die of thirst? Well, hold on, Joram. Wait, rewind the tape. Why are you there in the first place? Did God bring you in the desert? God didn't bring those kings and those armies in the desert. Let, let's go back and look at the context. Let's find out why they're there. 2 Kings 3, 4. Now, Mesha, king of Moab, raised sheep. And he had to pay the king of Israel a tribute of 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. He also sent his message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go fight against Moab? So, so here's what happened. Joram is not getting paid by the king of Moab. And he says, I'm going to pick a fight with you. God didn't do that. Joram made that decision. Joram went to his friends and said, will y'all come fight with me? God didn't call those three kings in the desert to leave them there to die. But here are three kings together, only what Joram says. What? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? No, Joram. That was you who called everybody together. It was you who got you in that situation. I wonder how many times we get stuck in a spot in life and we blame God for it. And we blame God for it. Have you ever gotten stuck in a situation in life? You found yourself in a crap storm. It's a nice way of saying it. And you blame God for it. God, how come you're doing this to me? How come you let this happen? And then God's like, well, hold on now. I told you not to date that boy in the first place. Through my word, I gave you some standards. I gave you some things that you should look for in a relationship. You ignored that. You dated him anyway, and he broke your heart. Don't blame me for it. Is that too real? Okay, okay, I'll, I'll make up other things that don't actually exist then. But how often do we find ourselves, God, I'm in a place of debt, and I, wh why, did, why did you get me into this? Can you get me out of it? And God says, sure, I'll help you get out of debt, but if you followed my principles in the first place, you never would have been in that debt anyway. H how often do we find ourselves in a place of our own making, and we blame God for it? Don't blame God for your dysfunction. Now, here's the good part about God. God's not as mean as I am. I mean, that sounded pretty harsh. Here, here's the great thing about God. God never rubs our face in our mistakes. But he says, I love you. And I'll pick you up again. And I'll give you grace. And I'll show you the way to freedom. 
And that's why God is so great. That's why y'all are glad I'm not God, because I would not do that. Some of y'all would not do that. You would be like, I told you so. God, God says, I love you. And I know this is the eighth time you've fallen, but I'll pick you back up and I'll walk with you and I'll help you. But if we're going to seek revival in our life, if we're going to see revival in our life, the first point you got to take away, and I hope you write this down, is you got to take responsibility for your own stuff. And if, if you want to put another word in for stuff, you can. You got to put, you got to take responsibility for your own stuff, and you can't blame God for something you did. You can't blame others for something you did. You got to take ownership and responsibility. He says, what? Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? And then what happens is Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, says, well, hold on now. Okay, we're in this situation. We're in this mess. What does God have to say about this? And maybe that's why some of you are in church today, because you found yourself stuck in a situation, and you showed up because you said, what does God have to say about this? Oftentimes, we come to God when it's far too late. But how many of you know it's never too late because God says, I'll come in, I'll intervene, I can make it right for you. There might be some consequences, but that's all right. But what if we went to God in the very beginning and said, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Anyway, they're already in this situation. They're just surviving. And the king of Judah says, well, what does God say about this? And he asked the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said, well, there's a prophet, Elisha, he's here. And a prophet is a guy who speaks to God and who hears from God. He said, Elisha is here, and uh, maybe he can weigh in on this. So they bring Elisha to these three kings out here in the middle of the desert. Their troops are, are dying from thirst. And when Elisha comes, he has this request before he says anything. He says this, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 15. These three kings are there. Elisha comes in, and he says, bring me a musician. What? Bring me a musician. What are you doing? Like before he says anything, before he speaks, he says, before, I want you to bring me a musician. I need some background music. I need to set the scene with the gangster lean. I need to set the atmosphere so that you can hear what I'm about to say. He says, bring me a musician. So the kings are like, well, you heard him. Bring a musician. So the musician comes. And this is why, this is why we, we play music before the message. This is why oftentimes I'll have uh, our worship team uh, play behind the scene for me uh, to set the scene, to, to set the tone, right? So Elisha says, bring me a musician. And he says, as the musician played, the hand of the Lord rested on Elisha. So he said, this is what the Lord says, fill this valley with trench after trench. This is what the Lord says, though you won't see wind or storm, nevertheless, that river will overflow with water so that you, your cattle, and your livestock may drink. And this is the easy part for the Lord. He's going to hand the Moabites over to you. So Eliza says, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait. I need a musician, maestro, play me a tune. And he starts playing. And he says, what I want you to do is make this valley full of trenches. I want you to dig some ditches. Because God's about to do something easy for him. He's going to make the river overflow. And as the river overflows, I want you to be prepared for the blessing he's going to give you. So you got to do some work tonight. You got to do some hard digging tonight so that when God brings the blessing, you'll be ready to receive it. If you don't dig some ditches tonight, when this valley 
overflows with water, it'll just evaporate and dry up and it won't, it won't be here anymore. And you won't be able to drink the water. So God's about to rain down blessing. He's about to overflow this river and bring blessing your way, bring you the thing you need. The breakthrough is on the way. But for you to receive it, you gotta put some work in. Now, I don't want you to get it twisted. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about being with God in heaven. I'm not talking about that. Salvation is a free gift that God gives us through grace and faith in Jesus. See, Jesus died for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven and given new life. And the way we accept that is by simply saying yes to Jesus, by making him the leader of our life and being baptized into him. And if you've never made that decision to say yes to Jesus, I wanna invite you to do that today. We got a connect card through the Bible app. You can fill that out. Let us know you made that decision. You can talk with one of our connectors. You can come over here and let them know, hey, I'm interested in getting baptized. We're gonna be doing baptisms right out here in October. And we wanna give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So I'm not talking about salvation. That's a free gift that God gives us. But what I am saying is that you can be saved and not live the life of salvation. What I'm saying is you could be headed to heaven but not experience the life of heaven here and now because you hadn't been ready to dig some ditches because you weren't willing to put in the work to live the life of heaven here and now. Elisha says, make this valley full of trenches so that you can catch the water God's about to send you. And so the first principle throughout this series for receiving revival is this. If we're gonna experience revival in our life, we must do what's hard for us to receive what's easy for God. If we're gonna experience revival in our life, we gotta do what's hard for us so we can receive what's easy for God. That sounds good. Here, stop playing, stop playing, stop playing. Listen to it, listen to it. Listen to it with no music. What's that, what's that? Cut the music, cut the music. All right. If we're gonna receive what's easy from God, we gotta do what's hard for us. That doesn't sound as good, does it? Turn the music on, try it again, do it again. Listen to this. This is why Elisha said, bring me a musician. Because if we're gonna experience revival in our life, we must do what's hard for us to receive what's easy for God. See, revival is bursting at the seams all around us. The potential for the next, the new, the extraordinary is here and now. And God is longing to accomplish what could be. So the question is not, is God willing? The question is, will you do what's required, even if it means digging ditches, even if it means showing up for church, even if it means taking notes and then reflecting on those notes and then living out those notes? Will you do the hard thing, even if it means ending a relationship, even if it means taking the first step to go to counseling, even if it means pouring the alcohol down the drain, even if it means sharing that sin with a trusted friend so that you can be held accountable and get support. Will you do the hard thing, even if it means apologizing, even if it means forgiving, even if it means trusting God in your finances, even if it means breaking open the Bible app or a paper Bible and making the habit of reading God's word? Will you 
do the hard thing, even if it means getting involved in a group and making some friends, even if it means saying no to your cravings, even if it means restructuring your approach and personality, becoming a healthier you. See, this is why so many people live outside of a revival and simply choose survival because they aren't willing to do the hard work. They aren't willing to do the hard work. I'll show up in church and say, well, I'll take some notes. I'll say, preach it. I'll say, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not willing to go into work on Monday and show compassion and love and kindness. I'm not willing to stop before I say something and listen, but I respond in anger. So many people, and I hope you're not one of those people, will sit outside of the revival God is longing to break forth in your life because they aren't willing to dig some ditches. I want to ask you, are you willing to dig some ditches? Are you willing to do the hard work to experience survival, uh, revival? That's it. I'm, I'm done. I mean, that's all I got for you. I had to prime this series by letting you know if you're going to show up next week, it's going to take some work. If you're going to experience a breakthrough, it's going to take some work. And the truth is this, you can stay stagnant or you can take a step. You can stay stagnant or you can take a step. And every single week, I'm going to give you some steps to take. But it's up to you as to whether or not you'll take those steps. Because here's the deal. If we're following Jesus, then we're on a journey. And if we're on a journey, then we got a step. You see? If I'm following, I got a step. If I'm following, I got a step. If I'm following, I got a step. But watch this. If I'm not stepping, if I'm staying stagnant, if I'm just surviving, I'm not following. If you're surviving right now, Jesus is saying, come on, I'm taking you to revival. I'm not going to step, though, Jesus. I'm going to stay right here. You're not following. You may be saved, but you're not following. So it's up to you. You got to step. Survival, don't step. Revival, come on, get to stepping. We got some steps to take. And I'm wondering, are you willing to step? Are you willing to walk? Are you willing to journey? It's your call. You can say, I don't need this because I'm bigger than religion. I don't need this because I'm smarter. I don't need this because I'm stronger. I don't. Whatever you say to satisfy yourself from stepping, that's okay. But just know... You're settling for survival, sitting outside of revival, and God has something so much greater for you. Let's get to stepping. I want to give you two things, two steps to take and I'm done. Here's the first step I want to ask you to take. Make it a point, make it a priority to be here next week, to be here every week for this series. Till November 1st. I want to experience revival in my life, but I ain't showing up for church. Okay, you, you defeated yourself already. You make it a point to be here every single week for this series. We're outside, we're spaced out, we're socially distant, you're good. If you're watching online, I want to invite you, if you're capable of, to come, to show up, to be here live. I'm glad you're watching online. It's just something different when you're in person, though. So the first step, I want to encourage you, be here every single week for this series. 
And if for some reason you can't make it live, tune in online. But if you can make it live, come on. We'll make sure we keep you at a distance. The second thing is this. I want to invite you to practice what you hear throughout this series. Do not listen to these sermons that I worked so hard on to present to you and leave it as a listening activity, but put it into practice. Act on it. Do something with it. Because if you hear what I say from God's word and say, I'm not going to step towards that, you've chosen survival. It's your call. Survival or revival? Choose revival today. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, your love. So many of us, we worked so hard to show up this morning. I hope we didn't drive here for nothing. But God, help us do the work required to see change in our life. I pray that we're inspired and motivated and challenged today. But God, let us do what's required to see lasting change. Give us the strength that we need to dig some ditches in our lives. Give us the confidence and the courage we need to do the difficult thing so that we can receive the blessing you want to give us. I'm praying for change this season. I'm praying for breakthrough. I'm praying for deliverance. I'm praying this season we would say everything shifted for me because I was willing to dig some ditches. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. I pray you were inspired, encouraged, and motivated by what you heard. And I'm so grateful you had a chance to listen in. I'm also so grateful for everyone who financially gives to the work of this ministry so that we can continue to do the work that we do and get the word out like we do. And I want to invite you, if you're encouraged or blessed by this ministry, to consider giving if you haven't already. Also, be sure to check us out at wearetherising.com. Follow us on social media. See how you can get involved and go from uh, being someone who watches to being someone who's involved. Again, thanks again for tuning in. And I pray that this is the best week ever coming up because what we know is the best is yet to come.